the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And a pleasant good afternoon to you. Precisely 5.05 on the clock and Craig Roberts on your radio welcoming you to this Wednesday, January 13th edition of Lifeline. We're here for two solid hours tonight addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Tonight's program kind of a getting down to cases in a somewhat serious manner, not as if the show was typically nothing but fun and frivolity all the time. We try to be uh, lighthearted when appropriate, but sometimes uh, there's um, there's need for a sense of seriousness, and certainly the events of today and over the last week are cause for um, tremendous thought, introspection, and certainly nothing to be addressed in a lighthearted fashion. If you think back to your own view of last week's events, chaotic videos on social media that stunned the world and immediately confirmed that the police had lost control even if they ever had it in the first place. Information a week ago came in incomplete and scattered, much as it did during the 9-11 attacks. A rally on the ellipse where the president spoke for over an hour, followed by a march on the Capitol building where Congress was in session. Then, reports of a fight broke out on the Capitol building steps. Rumors of explosive devices that soon were no longer rumors. An armored standoff, a shooting, breaking and entering, destruction of public property. The takeover of the Capitol building, which saw Vice President Pence whisked away to a secure location, and members of the United States Senate and House of Representatives left cowering in fear for their lives under desks and in the gallery. Some of the attackers were openly hunting for congressional leaders, calling for the hanging of Vice President Pence and threatening to shoot the Speaker of the House. Initially, much of what we saw, the silly costumes, people taking selfies, grabbing the Speaker's lectern, looked like a group that might be at a frat house Halloween party. But there was something way, way darker, more violent, more sinister happening in our capital. On the heels of last week's tragic events, this afternoon, as you heard on the news a moment ago, the House of Representatives voted to impeach President Trump for a second time, following the rioting from pro-Trump supporters on January the 6th. The president is the first to ever be impeached twice. Ten House Republicans joined Democrats in voting to move forward with the impeachment of the president. It's another dark, sad day in the history of our republic. And sadly, the wounds from these tragic events, some which strike at the very core fundamentals of who we are as a nation, are self-inflicted. There is a quote often attributed to French historian Alexis de Tocqueville that reads, I sought for the greatness and genius of America 
in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. In her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. In her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good, and if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Also attributed to de Tocqueville is the quote, The greatness of America lies not in being more enlightened than any other nation, but rather in her ability to repair her faults. While our faults, all at this moment, appear to be exclusively political in nature, that is in fact only a symptom of the real problem. If we have failed to make America great again, it is only in that we have failed to put first things first. We have failed to prioritize making America godly again. I hold the belief that America's greatness is in her godliness. That much of what we enjoy in terms of bounty and blessing is a direct historical outgrowth of the vision of our founding fathers, of the brave pilgrims who fled the European continent for the new land in search of religious freedom, in the manner in which we have exalted the importance of faith in the public square, God's word to guide our decisions, the leadership role that we have played in being the greatest missionary sending nation, if not in history, and maybe <laughs> maybe the Apostle Paul would argue me on this point, but certainly in modern history, the greatest missionary sending nation. And yet somehow, somewhere along the way, we've lost sight of these roots. We've sought other means by which we might achieve greatness through power and money and fortune and fame and all the trappings that go with it. And I'm reminded of that experience that Christ had in the 40 days in the wilderness where Satan took him up to the precipice and showed him the lands and the kingdoms of the world and basically said, all of this can be yours if you'll just fall down and worship me. Well, of course, the utter irony of that stupidity of Satan, who always, of course, thinks in the flesh, is the fact that he was offering Jesus something that he already had. As very God himself, not only did the kingdoms of the world all belong to him, but in fact, he, very God himself, created all of it. Christ was able to resist the fallacy of that temptation, yet sadly, we have not followed in his footsteps, and rather than seeking out godliness, we've sought greatness in a form and fashion that has not put God first. And what we've seen happening in our nation 
over the last many weeks, I believe is a direct result of that. And I also have to ponder if the health crisis that we're facing at this moment is not evidenced of the notion that God has very well perhaps withdrawn, if not his hand of blessing, at least his hand of protection from this nation. Because we have withdrawn putting him first. We're going to spend some time tonight talking about what it means not to make America great again. That will follow. That is a, not a goal, by the way. That's a byproduct. If our goal is to make America godly again, then America's greatness will follow. If our goal is to simply make America great again without putting God first, then, well, I guess we wind up with where we're at. And I'm sorry if that offends some of you, but it is scriptural. And that's the basis upon which we launch our conversation this evening. My first guest tonight is a, a voice that certainly many, many KFAX listeners are familiar with. He's often referred to as sort of the Paul Harvey of <laughs> Christian radio, as you hear his scriptural insights and musings multiple times each week here on KFAX. He is the senior pastor of Watsonville Christian Church and pleased to have joined us on the program tonight. Pastor John Jester. And uh, Pastor, as always, great to visit with you. Great to visit with you too, Craig. Thank you very much for those words. And yes, we need to focus on Jesus Christ. I think that was said very well, very much of the, the phrase I've heard before, the solution is not going to come from the White House. It's going to come from God's house. And I appreciate what you said. And, you know, I, I guess to kind of put a disclaimer here at the start of our conversations, uh, at least either one of us find ourselves with tons of... <laughs> <laughs> of email to respond to of upset listeners. Not suggesting at all that we shouldn't be involved in the body politic, long-time listeners to this program. No, if anything, I have argued just the opposite, that we as Christians have not just a right but a responsibility to be involved in the governance of this nation and the influence and direction of this nation. Because after all, it is one of the few nations on earth and certainly one of the first that is engaged in the business of self-governance, as Lincoln said, government of, by, and for the people. So we just can't turn it over to the king and say, well, the king will handle it all and we'll go about our business here as fiefs. But instead, we are the ones who have to be responsible for the governing of our own nation. And in doing so, we must always keep first and foremost the mandate that as the church, we are to be salt and light. We are to be not just the preservative, but also the proclaimer of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have to wonder, Pastor John, from your perspective, is it even possible to try to ascertain where somehow we got off track? I mean, for example, we we came off of the horrific experience of 9-11 with America's churches the following Sunday filled. I mean, they, they were packed to the rafters. And then slowly, in the ensuing weeks and months, church attendance began to dwindle. We perhaps felt a return sense of normalcy in America, if there ever was such a thing. And we kind of went back to our business 
and completely forgot about God's business. I mean, is that a starting point? And is much of this then just a product of a, of a people that have been so greatly blessed that somehow we think that those blessings should be attributed to our own hard work as opposed to the, the utter and singular blessing of God? Well, I think so very much so, Craig. I, I can see it in just human nature that we go to God when we're in trouble. We need something. We're there until we get healed. I've seen it all the years. People come to church. Uh, when there's a hard time, difficult time, once they get their emotions healed, their nerves healed, then they go back out to their old way again. And it's, there's no real commitment to Jesus Christ to follow him in the good, the bad, and the in-between like it really needs to be with each and every one of us. So are you suggesting what, that part of the issue here is that, that uh, and, I, and I want to be you know, careful not to give the sense that we're singularly indicting the church, though judgment begins in the house of the Lord, and Second Chronicles 7.14 is singularly written to the church, not to the non-believer. But, but I wonder if part of the problem is that there's been a percentage of the church in America today that has been happy to uh, do the church, meaning go to church on Sunday, you know, watch a wonderful worship service. If you go to a huge church with a big uh, uh, stage and a wonderful uh, entertainment with musicians and singers on the stage, and we sort of, in a spectator fashion, watch all of it go on, but we are uh, scant pressed to be fully participatory, meaning that our faith is not so much uh, an indication of uh, who we are or how we live our lives as much as it is a suggestion of how we occupy our Sunday mornings. Absolutely. I mean, it's not just worshiping on Sunday. We need to learn to live every day of the week, every second, every cent, every thought, every possession, as we have in one of our uh, messages for God. And we can only do that with His help. And we need, as you said, to point the way back to Jesus Christ at all times, whether Again, we're on a high or a low, or there's tragedy, or whatever it is. And to continually, you read through the book of Ephesians, or uh, Revelation, you read the churches there, and you read the church of Laodicea, that was lukewarm, and God said, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth, because mm. you know, you know, we either want you to be hot or cold, and then you can read about the Philadelphia church. But you know, we need to be on fire for God, and that can only come from God's help to do that. That's something we need to pray for, and ask for, and listen to God, and and continually try to put him first in every area of our lives and listen to his guidance and direction and be in his word and preach and teach the word of God and not just to come to him when we want something, need something, we need healing or whatever. It needs to be all the time, consistency. Do you, do you get the sense, Pastor Jester, as you sort of, um, how should we phrase this, R read, read the Bible alongside the newspaper, in other words, look at what's going on in the world, and then look at, at Scripture from a prophetic standpoint, do, do you walk away with the sense that all of these events, and it's not just what happened on the mall um, uh, last week, or the impeachment today, or, or even the riots that began with the killing of George Floyd back in late May of this year, or even the pandemic for that matter, do, do you get the sense that maybe all of these events combined, as we look at the news and look at prophecy, that God is trying to get our attention here? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes that it, it takes that, unfortunately. I read about Jesus where he says he's gentle and humble, and I think if gentle doesn't work in his love, he's going to get more and more severe. I think he does that with each and every one of our lives that he really would like us to turn the first time. But if that doesn't work, he will be stricter, and that's done out of love. And to get people back he, on track, to get us back on track where we need to be. So he chastises those who he loves. 
Absolutely. Hebrews 12 is such a great chapter on that. We, you know, Father disciplines every son that he loves, and God does that for each and every one of us, and he does it perfectly, and that's a great blessing we have as well. Not only does he do it, but he knows exactly how to work with each and every one of us in the very best way. Some, just like a coach on a, on a sports team, uh, sometimes just a gentle word will do it, and others you have to give them a, a whole lot stronger, like a little cut somewhere maybe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's been years since I've been on any kind of a sports team, but there were moments when the coach, you know, drop and give me 10 or 20, you know, or, or five laps around the, uh, around the field here uh, to, to remind you that you have to be part of the team. And, you know, as believers, we're on God's team. And, yes. you know, there's been a lot of call in these past days for unity and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, well, unity and unified around what or whom? There is so much political division and differences in opinion and approaches. And, and ironically now, uh, our, our policy differences that used to bring us together and argue to find some sense of, of uh, compatibility or compromise to arrive at decisions now is tearing us apart. And, and sadly, maybe part of the issue is we're trying to rally around a president or a party or a policy in failing to recognize that when Scripture talks about unity, he's talking about unity within the body of believers. And the, the, the manner in which we can be most pleasing to the Lord is to strive toward that unity, but the unity that's found in Christ. And when we come back after a timeout, I want to talk about that a little bit more and also talk about, even as we look at these events and say, my goodness, is this God's judgment? Are we on the cusp of the end times? Could this all soon and very quickly be ending? That certainly is one perspective. But there's another one. When Jesus talks about occupy, until I return. What does he mean by that? And if we look at these events and say, surely this must mean Christ's rapid return, are there not things that we as the church, lovers of Christ, should be doing to occupy and prepare for his return? Pastor John Jester helps us answer that question. He, of course, the senior pastor at Watsonville Christian Church. You hear his scriptural insights multiple times each week here on KFAX, and you can get more information about his ministry online at WATCC, think abbreviation for Watsonville, WATCC.org. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our discussion as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. We're visiting today with Pastor John Jester, senior pastor at Watsonville Christian Church on the web at WATCC. Think of abbreviation for Watsonville, so WATCC.org. We're talking about the bigger question of what's challenging America today. And I know that we have been inundated with political debate and discussion. And I'm sure if we could do a quick survey here and have a show of hands, uh, half the listeners right now would say if those Democrats would just get their act together, the other half would say if those Republicans would just do the same. Uh, there's 
policy differences between us, and I have to admit that some of the policy differences are significant ones. I'm not minimizing that at all. What I am saying, though, is that as we continue to push for political solutions, let's be mindful that at the heart of many of these issues is a spiritual question. I mean, take, for example, the issue of abortion. You know, Talking about the change in the control or the majority of the Supreme Court and how now decisions handed down may very well fall more and more on the side of defending life. Perfect and beautiful. But the real issue at hand here is that people that are real lovers of Jesus, who recognize that a child is not an inconvenience, it's not a blob of tissue, but it is a human being into whom God has breathed very life itself, human being created in the very image of God, and therefore is to be protected and cherished. See, if you have that perspective, then people won't be having abortions because they will understand the totality of what it is that they are considering. There is a political issue that at the core is a spiritual problem. And I suppose, Pastor John Jester, at, at many levels, that's what we're talking about here. We, we debate in policy matters and opinions and differences between the way the different parties approach all of these things. So many of these issues would not be points of contention if we all, instead of having our own political viewpoints on it, would rather adopt God's viewpoint on it. And of course, that takes us back to understanding the Scripture. Absolutely. Understand the Holy Word of God. I, I always loved what Dr. J. Vernon McGee would say, get the whole Word to the whole world, to truly know the whole Bible. And once we know that, and we can base our decisions upon that, it becomes very clear. And then, as you mentioned earlier, the, the subject of unity will be united with Christ, will be united with one another. When we see the Holy Word of God, we obey it. It's very clear about life. Um, great scriptures like Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Uh, before you were born, I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations, and to realize the impact of that, that God has a plan for every single person. And, and to, once we realize that, we realize the sanctity of life, how important it is. Um, Psalm 139, you know, I, you knit me together in my mother's womb. It's so clear uh, that if we knew these things and obeyed the Word of God, uh, we would have unity. We'd be united with the Word of God, and we're not, as you mentioned. And I have to wonder that maybe a big part of what we saw playing out in the last several days and the terrible violence, um, the tragic loss of life, uh, that, 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 that sense of anger that we're showing toward each other um, is something that the enemy of our soul absolutely delights it. I mean, I, I John 10.10 10 comes to mind. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And we've witnessed that happening in our nation. And yet, that passage continues to go on to say, I have come, Jesus talking, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. And so, 
you know, we, we think the enemy, if you're a Republican, you think the enemy are the Democrats. If you're a Democrat, you think the enemy is the Republicans. If you're the president, you think the enemy is, I don't know, the Supreme Court. We're, we're fighting the wrong enemy, I guess is what I'm arguing here. And the one who has come out and identified himself, and we have clear proof positive as to what his agenda is and what he's about. I mean, it's all right there in front of all of us. We've just turned a blind eye, and now we've convinced ourselves that the enemy that we're fighting isn't the enemy of our soul, but rather our neighbor down the street who's uh, flying the Trump flag. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The rest of John 10.10, I've come to you might have life and life to the full. And I think many times people's wrong wrong concept of God, I remember A.W. Tozer saying, uh, paraphrasing, the most important thing in your life is your concept of God. And they think, well, he's not there for you to have a better life. You lose all your fun. You lose your joy. If you follow him, you won't be able to do all the things that are great and wonderful. And it's exactly the opposite. And that John 10.10 spells that out so clearly. Uh, The world's way, the devil's way is the first part of that scripture. They steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus is the other part of that scripture. We want to have life and life to the full. Pastor John Jester is with us tonight. We are talking about, well, sort of in the the context of the events that have unfolded today in Washington, D.C. last week, and all of it seems to be continuation of this larger, broader, deeper problem in our nation today. And least you think that I'm going to conclude that sentence by saying, and therefore we really need to rally Republicans together, or therefore Democrats need to uh, find a way of... uh, turning things about no this is a not a democrat problem or a republican problem it's a spiritual problem and i think we need to be mindful even as we've seen pastor jester so much anger being displayed at each other and family members who didn't talk to each other over the holidays because they had differing votes or differing opinions um that all we're going to do is destroy ourselves as the enemy looks on and applauds because we're focusing all of our energy and intention on the wrong enemy. And until we recognize that, and again, I'm, I'm not suggesting that, you know, we just, you know, set down all of our differences and abandon our morals and, you know, come together, hold hands and sing a rousing chorus of Kumbaya and that will fix everything. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the fundamental need for this nation to turn back to God. And, Pastor John, when we come back after the break, I want to talk a bit more about the church's role in this, because there's not only layers of culpability, but even more so, um, we're the ones that are supposed to be the leaders. We're the ones that are supposed to be setting the example. And if we don't lead the way, particularly at a juncture like this, And I don't know that there is hope for our nation. Pastor John Jester is with us today, Senior Pastor Watsonville Christian Church on the web at watcc.org. We'll take a brief time out. Back to more of the discussion as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. You know, we're reminded that we are to be proclaimers of the world, of the word, that the world needs to hear the word. We need to be 
those that disseminate, that share that good news of the gospel, but how will they hear unless they have a preacher? And it's easy to sort of just uh, dismiss that scripture and say, yeah, that's right, those preachers out there, my pastor, they need to get to work. Yeah, well, that really is directed at all of us. That sense of being light and, and salt of the earth and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ is really the job for each and every one of us. And Pastor John Jester is with us tonight from Watsonville Christian Church. Information about the ministry, <coughs> by the way, online by going to watcc.org. That's watcc.org. And before we're done tonight, we'll ask Pastor John to share a bit more about um, his ministry and uh, services available at the church. But uh, I, I want to have you spend some time, if you would, Pastor John, talking to us about the responsibility that we have as Christians in bringing hope and comfort, not only in the midst of the turmoil and confusion and disunity that we're experiencing right now, but something you and I touched on uh, before the broadcast tonight, and that is the fact that as we sit here on the 13th day of January, we have experienced, I'm going to get the exact number, we have experienced, my goodness, 393,915 of our fellow Americans who were with us this time just a year ago, who sadly and tragically have passed away because of COVID-19. I think of the families out there, Pastor John, that are seeking answers. They're hurting. They're lonely. Husbands who have lost wives, wives who have lost husbands, sons who have lost daughters, uh, I mean, on and on, fathers who've lost daughters, on and on the list goes, and asking questions, maybe for the first time in life, facing their own mortality and wondering, what does all of this mean? Share some thoughts from the Word, from your heart, if you would, in relationship to the very unique opportunity and responsibility that the church has right now to not only be peacemakers, but also to deliver the hope that's found in the gospel. Absolutely, Craig. Um, it gives us all hope. Uh, and the God of all comfort, we read in Second Corinthians chapter 1, and he has the comfort for each and every person. And I always try to look on the positive side of everything. I know you do too. When things like this happen, I always try to look, and I think with God's help, we can look at what, what good is coming out of this. He could bring good out of tragedy and calamity and all sorts of things. And many times it will bring, we, we witnessed, as you mentioned, on 9-11, people come, come back to God. But we want them to come permanently back to God. And I think that's a real challenge for every pastor and every person uh, when they share their faith with another, to not just come to be comforted and, and help right now, but he has the best life for you for all eternity. And to commit their lives permanently to them, that's, that's a real challenge to help people do that, to realize that, that he's there to give them comfort, hope, and healing. Uh, but God's Word gives so much hope uh, about the future. He talks about the future, and you read throughout the entirety of the Bible, you read about the book of Revelation, about the heavenly Jerusalem. You read Revelation 21.4, one of my favorite scriptures. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has gone away. What an incredible prophecy that is. What a, that could give hope to each and every person that they know that, hey, this is just temporary life. This is training ground. Uh, we're being pruned to be groomed for eternal life. 
Uh, but the Word of God gives so much help. And I think as we Christians, as better we know the God, Word of God, where to go if they want to go somewhere in Scripture, God will guide us to those Scriptures. And He'll guide us to what words to say. And we don't look to ourselves, but we look to Him to know what words to say and when, when to speak and when to listen. And we're always there. And in time, He's going to bring people to us or guide us to other people. And He just, the miracle worker, to know how to, how to do that. And we just need to always pray to ask God, just use me as your tool and instrument. Uh, be it to be a listener, be it to be the words, be it to give a scripture, or whatever it may be. But God's Word has so much hope. And again, I think the better we know God's Word, the more we can even turn to scriptures if they want to see it in the Word of God, um, the better off we are. You know, those great scriptures that are there, they'll give us hope and encouragement. Um, so Jesus is the answer. You know, guiding to him and teaching people to have a personal relationship with him. It's not a ritual. It's not just going to Sunday church and, and a little check mark. You have a personal one-on-one relationship with Christ. You can ask him questions and listen for his answers and realize he wants us to do that. He wants us to spend time with him. And that the, the blessing of prayer that we can come before God who created everything anytime, night or day. And if we, we're in a spot where we don't want to speak out loud, we can pray from our heart. God will hear that just as well. And in fact, you can't really ban Jesus and prayer from schools when you teach people to pray from their heart. And he will hear that, and he'll answer. But I think guiding people to have a relationship with God and realizing that that's an awesome thing. That's an incredible, thrilling, exciting thing where you can talk to God. You can talk to Jesus. Stephen did when he was being stoned. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Talk directly to Jesus. Uh, we can do the same. And then listen, I have that type of relationship with the one we're reading about in the book. And that is just absolutely awesome. And I think, I think prayer is so underrated, and God is so underrated. And everything else in this world is usually overrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is the solution. He is the hope. He is the source of all comfort. And just to have a personal relationship with Christ, to realize he's got his holy word, and it's going to teach us the basics. But he'd like to tell us where to live, where to work. But in prayer, we'll get those answers. He'll be guided to those answers. And he has specifics for each person, where to work, where to live, so we can best serve, be best fulfilled. So it's all a matter, Craig, of pointing, I believe, pointing people to Jesus Christ, the Word of God, but praying and spending time with God and having a personal relationship with him. Is it time, in your opinion, Pastor Jester, for us to set aside timidity? And by that I mean so often folks will say, well... You know, I, I, I'm not so good at memorizing Scripture. I have a bad memory. I don't want to misquote something. I don't feel like I'm a theological expert. What if they ask me a question I can't answer? I mean, every excuse in the book, and I find it ironic, we've watched in the political experience over the last many months, people willing to spout off their positions on issues that perhaps in reality they know nothing about, and yet they're so bold out there in their proclamation, even if they might be spewing information that's half-baked, incorrect, incomplete, or what have you, but they do it with a sense of boldness. And yet sometimes believers say, oh, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. I I, I don't really feel comfortable. Pastor John, he's got the theological wherewithal. (laughs) He's got the CV to support this. I'm just going to pray for him and, and ask God bless him as he shares Jesus with others. I just don't feel comfortable. Is the time for that kind of timidity to be over? Absolutely, absolutely. And the other thing they could always talk about, they don't know scripture, say, I don't know, but I'll find out, because there's plenty of resources. We can get a concordance, look up a scripture or a topic, but we can always share our, our own faith, our own journey. 
And that is sometimes that may be more powerful than guiding him to a particular scripture. We have our own journey. How, what difference has Christ made in your life? And we can tell him about that. And many times I've found that people will go to people and have people brought to them that are going to have a similar experience that they've had in their own life. And if you've been through a difficult time, and they're going through a difficult time, and Christ brought you out of it, then you have a great testimony. The old saying, you know, if you've been through a test and God gets you through the test, you've got a testimony. If your life's been a mess and he gets you out of the mess, you have a message. But we can share from our own heart, our own experience, what difference does Christ make in your life? And you can't take anything away from that. That sometimes is so powerful, the personal journey that we've all been on. And sometimes that may be more the thing that God will guide us to than any scriptures. Isn't that the truth? I mean, let's let's face it, we can argue with a lot, but we can't argue with our own life's journey, our own life experience. And if you just take that approach, share from your heart. Talk about the things that God has done in your life, what he's rescued you from, what he's kept you from, how he's intervened in your life in, in so many phenomenal ways. To the point that you made about the personal relationship versus the very non-personal religiosity that many live in, people hear about your experience with a vibrant living Christ. They're going to want that. They're going to be hunger for hungry for that, and especially those that have maybe had some kind of a church experience and walked away largely unfulfilled. And I would say that if if that be the case, that lack of fulfillment is directly indicative of a lack of true relationship. And so it would seem to me, as you're suggesting, uh, you know, what does the word say that overcomers by the, the power of the word and the, the, and the, the word of their testimony, power of their testimony? Uh, what a great place to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that is something that they cannot deny when you're giving it yourself and, and it makes such a big difference in your life. Um, it's so powerful. And it's going to be different for each and every person that ha every person has a different journey, a different testimony to give. And, and again, I've seen so often that God will bring people together um, that have the similar background. Somebody has been through a difficult time, and he'll guide them to somebody that's been through that time, and God's got them through it. And God knows how to pair people up. We just need to be yielded. Uh, our mission at our church, our 10-word mission, and we took the word statement out a few years back, because it might just be a statement. Our mission, 10 words, to teach everyone to live unconditionally surrendered to Jesus Christ. And that's all the time. When we're doing that, he'll guide us to the people he wants to, us to go to, and he'll bring people to us when it's the time to do that. Yeah, amazingly, it's far less complicated than we uh, try to make it. And, uh, you know, who he calls, he equips. And uh, we just, you know, all God is, he's not looking for geniuses. He's not looking for theologian, uh, theologians and, and uh, intellectual uh, giants or experts in apologetics. He's just looking for people that are willing. He's just looking for willing vessels. And so the question is, are you willing to be a vessel for him? And are you willing to set aside your timidity and start walking in boldness? At the end of the day, folks, the answer is not who gets put into the White House. Uh, yes, those things are important. I'm not belittling that. I'm just suggesting that we need to understand ultimately that our first job is, what does Scripture tell us? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul. To love our neighbors as ourself, that the second commandment is as great as the first, and to occupy until he returns, to be about the master's business, and to go into all the world 
and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we are successful in that, then we will find all these other issues come together so much more easily. We'll take a dime out. We're going to come back with Pastor John Jester, Senior Pastor at Watsonville Christian Church. Heard multiple times uh, weekdays here on KFAX. And uh, information, by the way, about the church, we'll learn more about in just a moment, on the web at watcc.org. That's watcc.org. A time out back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. As we have unpacked this topic tonight, I feel almost as if we've done a grave disservice here in that it's almost the uh, the radio equivalent of saying, uh, Pastor John Jester, the book of Romans, give us a summary. You have 15 seconds. You know? <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, so we've, we've, we've done our best in, in the time that's been allocated. And, uh, I look forward to an opportunity of spending some time with you again. And for listeners, uh, that, that, that follow your, your musings as the, uh, the Paul Harvey of Christian radio, as we call you, uh, and would like to find out more about the church, maybe take a drive down to visit with you, or uh, perhaps they live down your neck of the woods and are uh, looking for a new church home and would love to come down and, and participate. Tell us, uh, if you would, a bit about the uh, the life and ministry of Watsonville Christian Church. Okay, thank you, Craig. We are meeting uh, when we can. We're allowed to meet outside by Governor Newsom's uh, edict. We're not allowed to meet inside at the time. We're in the purple tier. So we meet outside when the weather is sufficient, and we give out a weekly update, typically about 6 o'clock on Friday evening, whether we're going to meet that Sunday or not. We plan to meet this coming Sunday, January 17th. We've moved the time for meeting outside to noon. Typically, we meet 10 a.m. inside. Typically, we're there. Some of us are there by 11 o'clock, so they come early and, and meet us. Uh, of course, we're in mass social distancing, uh, but we have the PA system set up. If anybody has a hearing problem, they're welcome to come. Um, they can, again, go to the website, WAT cc.org. Uh, they can see the pictures of the building. They can click on a link to get directions. And if they want to call ahead of time to see if we're meeting that day or not, they can call 831-784-1429. That's 831-784-1429. Or email us at watcc at att.net. That's watcc at att.net. And we try to meet every Sunday we can. Uh, we met last Sunday, and again, we plan to meet this Sunday. The projection from AccuWeather, it should be 73 degrees. It's the real feel. So if that is, it should be a beautiful day to come. Uh, we're going through the book of John. We will be in John chapter 20, and we'll also be reading the parallel accounts to that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So anybody down the area or even out of the area that want to come and visit, uh, they're always welcome. We look forward to seeing them and meeting them. And again, information, as Pastor Jester mentioned on the web, uh, the church website again at watcc.org. Think Watsonville. So just we're just abbreviating the first three letters of Watsonville, watcc.org, or area code 831-784-1429. That's 831-784-1429. Well, Pastor Jester, uh, a a difficult subject matter, a difficult day to be dealing with these topics, but 
vitally important that the church be fully engaged and be about the master's business. And uh, do you get the sense uh, in, in perhaps a parting word that that God is trying to get our attention and that if he is indeed successful at doing so, if we respond to his heart's cry, uh, what, what can the church wrought here? What, what, what can the future for this nation look like if she turns her heart back toward God? Oh, my, be abundant. It'll be John 10.10 10, fulfilled. I've come that you may have life and life to the full. There'll be peace, there'll be unity when we're all united with Jesus Christ. We go to his word, we see what he teaches, we believe and practice that and carry that out. That's the only time we're ever going to have unity. So we look forward to that day and that time. We pray toward that, a goal to work toward, and again be mindful on the road to making America great again. Be mindful that she will only be great again once America is godly again. Our thanks to Pastor John Jester, Senior Pastor at Watsonville Christian Church. Information again on the web at watcc.org. Six o'clock from KFAX. Let's get you an update on traffic.